In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When I was in 10th grade, my cousins and I went through cotillion, during which we delved into all things manners related and spent a good amount of time in Amy Vanderbilt's complete book of etiquette. Over the course of several months, we were to be immersed in the etiquette, which was to shape our lives and inform our behavior. We were to watch and learn to observe and practice so that the etiquette, the manners that we were learning, would become a very part of us. But if I'm being completely honest, at 16 years old, going to these etiquette classes was about the last thing that I wanted to be doing. I did not see the point in learning what seemed to be, at the time, outdated rules and our instructors were not nearly as engaging as my friends. Therefore, I hate to admit that I did not fully watch and learn. My willingness to observe was minimal, and my practice was less than enthusiastic. And as a result of this, I am quite reliant upon Amy Vanderbilt's book and on Google, because while I somehow can remember to pass the salt and pepper shakers together, even when someone only asks for one, I still have to Google which side the fork and the knife go on when I'm setting a table. And while I remember to leave my napkin in my chair when getting up for a brief time, I never remember how I'm supposed to place my fork and my knife when I finish my meal. Now, I wish I had paid a bit more attention. A table etiquette historian once wrote, nothing is as revealing about one's environment and social adjustment as table manners. A person with poor table manners usually has poor manners in other areas of life. In other words, many would see a person's behavior at a table as representative of their behavior out in the rest of the world. And this is echoed in international food writer and campaigner Michael Pollan's words about the dinner table. He writes, The dinner table is where we teach our children the manners they need to get along in society. We teach them how to share, to take turns, to argue without fighting and insulting other people. They learn the art of adult conversation. Given all of this, it is not surprising then that Jesus' ministry often involves behaviors and manners regarding food and shared tables. One scholar notes there are stories about feeding the multitudes, feeding the hungry, eating with dirty utensils, farming, fasting, which foods are ritually clean or unclean and why, whether a believer could eat meat that had been sacrificed to pagan idols and then afterwards sold in the local market, and the poor begging crumbs from the rich. But more than any of these stories, Luke 14, our story this morning, really sets the stage for table etiquette. And in so doing, he sets the stage for the etiquette for the whole of our lives. Amy Vanderbilt can move aside because Jesus of Nazareth's complete book of etiquette is right here in front of us. 
and it has the potential to be more important and more life-altering for us and for the world than any other etiquette book could ever hope to be. On first glance, our story today is practical advice. It aimed at accomplishing the same goal that Amy Vanderbilt has, teaching others how to prevent social disgrace and embarrassment. But as we delve deeper into this story, we can see that it is really about the very fabric, the ordering, the weaving together of the threads of the kingdom of God. And it all begins at a banquet table, just as it continues to happen around this table and every other table to this day. At the beginning of our reading, Luke notes that Jesus goes to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, and he was watched very closely. He was watched as he had a conversation with them about healing a man on the Sabbath and then enters into our dialogue this morning about where to sit at a table and who to invite to that table. But what strikes me most about all of this is the phrase, they were watching him closely. In other words, they carefully observed Jesus's actions, the way he moved in the world, the way he took the man and healed him and sent him on his way, and the way he interacted with the guests at the Sabbath meal. They listened and watched as he, again, chose to advocate for actions which would flip the water on its head, as he explained a new and different kind of etiquette aimed at subverting the power structures at work in the world, the structures rooted and perpetuated by pride and exclusion. And in so doing, he invited not only those who were gathered around him that day, but also all of us to watch and learn, to observe and practice a radical humility and an expansive inclusion with our whole hearts and our whole lives. In other words, Jesus invites us to examine and redefine where we would place ourselves at the table and all other tables. He invites us to ponder where we would place ourselves in the world and how we choose to move in the world. And he pushes us to expand who we would invite to our own tables and into our own lives. Because Jesus knows that if we can let go of our pride and instead rely more and more on God and on our community, and less and less on ourselves alone, our lives can become fuller and more complete. Because he knows that the more and more people who were created in the image of God are invited to the table, the more our understanding of our own image of God and our own understanding of who God is and who we are as children of God can be expanded and deepened and flourish. And because he knows that when we show hospitality to strangers, to those who are different from ourselves, we may well be entertaining angels without knowing it. 
So friends, let us humble ourselves before God and one another, acknowledging to ourselves and to each other that we are not always the bee's knees, but rather a fragile and finite human who needs God and needs a community to flourish and live a full and abundant life. And let us invite those who are different from ourselves to this table and into our lives, allowing God to graft in our hearts the love of God's name, to increase in us true religion, true devotion, to nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works, so that our tables may be crowded and our hearts full of the mutual love that can be found in this and every community of God. Amen.